0: today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML.
1: Lots of pushback about uh, the Ontario Municipal Board's decision to uh, tell Hamilton City Council what they're going to be doing vis-a-vis ward boundaries. You, you know, of course, the debate that went on and the consultant's report, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, finally, uh, a couple of citizens went to the Ontario Municipal Board and said, we don't agree with Council's uh, revised list of uh, the ward boundaries, which many people consider to be rather self-serving. So the OMB finally ruled on that, and uh, they took option two from that consultant's report, much to the chagrin of, of free people on city council. Uh, yesterday we had an interesting discussion with uh, Brenda Johnson, one of the councillors who's impacted by this, and former Hamilton Mayor Larry DeAnne. Uh, the social media is still alive and, uh, and well with a lot of pushback on both sides of this issue. But to give you a different perspective on this, I want to bring our next guest onto the program. Uh, Brad Clark is a former Hamilton City councillor of course, but Brad is also a former MPP and former cabinet minister, and uh, was uh, down at Queen's Park when this whole thing was going on, and I got an interesting note from him, and I said, Brad, you got to come on and talk about this, so we're pleased to welcome Brad Clark back to the Bill Keller Show on CHML. Brad, how you been doing?
0: I have been doing great. How about yourself, sir?
1: Life is good. Uh, living the dream. Getting ready for Christmas, like all <laughs> of us, I guess. <laughs> right on. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this. I'm going to mm-hmm. go to the wayback machine here, Brad, to the late 1990s when this debate was raging. And 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 you tend to get rather insular when you get into things like this. And you know we're thinking about what was happening here in the city and about the debate and and you can remember some of the stuff that was going on and uh, should we amalgamate shouldn't we and then uh, some of the mayors of some of the surrounding communities got together and kind of a Hail Mary pass and said no 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 we'll form our own city and just leave Hamilton out of this and it 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 got rather silly and a little crazy for a, a longest time here what was the going on at Queen's Park at that time and how was it being viewed
0: at at Queen's Park um they they <laughs> The government was of the opinion that the politicians in Hamilton wanted to move forward with amalgamation, um, but that they, for whatever reason, couldn't get there. And you'll recall the the Gardner and the church report, and yep. actually there was a joint uh, regional council meeting and a, um, um, all of the municipalities. So they brought all the cities together and the region in one big room at the convention center. Um, and from that, um, again, there was a suggestion to the province to amalgamate, including the vast majority of the municipalities except for Flamborough, Dundas, and Ancaster. Um, So from that, they decided that they were going to amalgamate. Um, I opposed it and voted against the government uh, three times on that particular uh, issue. Uh, And then we got into, um, really, the implementation phase. What does the bill look like?
1: And and that was that was even a little gray. I mean, because we went through a couple of different ministries in those days. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, minister Gilchrist was actually the guy who was in charge of this at the initial stages, uh, and then there was a bit of a cabinet shuffle, and and uh, and he left, and and was replaced, uh, and uh, and on and on it went. And we all this time we're asking, okay, what's actually going to be happening here? And. Uh, the, I, I don't want to say they were mixed messages, but I think probably some people on the city council had some, some disjointed ideas about exactly what was expected of them as a council.
0: Well, and they had different agendas. No kidding. Uh, just to be clear. and Minister, That's never happened before. Uh, <laughs> no, no, not in politics. Um, Minister Clements was the Minister of Environment, and he was given, you were correct, um, when Minister Gilcrest. Was pushed aside by the premier. Um, Minister Clement ended up having two portfolios, so he was municipal affairs uh, as well as environment. And the first draft of Bill 25, which was um, the bill that actually implemented amalgamation, uh, called for 13 wards and one mayor. Uh, and of course, there was a lot of pushback from the outlying municipalities about the balance of power and the transitioning. And so I went to Minister Clement and Premier Harris and suggested that we add two seats to bring it to 15 um, to enable the municipality to transition into this new city a little bit more easily uh, without the fears of, of the suburbs being overwhelmed by the urban side.
1: Did, did you look at that as a, as a compromise pr- proposition, Brad?
0: It was. it was. 100%. Yeah. Uh, it was a compromised position. Uh, we talked to the mayors of the municipalities, uh, and at the end of the day, uh, everyone agreed that it was a good move except Mayor Morrow, who really wanted Hamilton to have um, the final say on most things, which I, I gain. I, I understand Mayor Morrow's agenda. <laughs> that was his job at the time. Well,
1: and that was that was the problem. I mean, for those that don't recall those days, we still had two tier government. There was a regional government and a city government, and everybody who was on Hamilton City Council sat on regional government, and, and uh, the representatives of, of the other jurisdictions, I think, had two members each uh, for for their jurisdictions. Correct. So as that turned out, of course, everybody wanted to have a say in exactly how this was going to shape up. And and the the arguments that were out there right now really only fueled the discrepancies and and the confusion and 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 probably the controversy didn't they Brad? Because you had a lot of people from the old city, if I can use that phrase, that were simply saying we're getting screwed by these guys. We're paying for all these social services, and they're not paying anything. And, and we want equity. And 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 the other guys were saying, well, you're just going to you know send our taxes skyrocketing. And and there was probably like most arguments a shred of of truth in both of them at the same time. Uh, which only made things more incongruous, I guess, and, and probably for you guys at Queen's Park, virtually impossible to try to please everybody.
0: Oh, yeah. At, at that point, we knew that there was no way we could please everybody. Um, but the compromise was that there would at least be some semblance of balance uh, during the transitional phases of this new city. And we knew that as the population grew in the in the wards, uh, and all of the growth, um, as as we knew, every, all of the experts, Bill, said that all of the growth was going to be outside of the urban proper of Hamilton. Um, A and,
1: lot of it was supposed to be in the riding you represented up in Stony Creek.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, the projections back then were, were quite significant. So based on those expectations that um, we say well, um, let's put in the 15 plus the mayor, Uh, And then, you know, 10 years from now, this should be reviewed. And that's what what all of, I mean, If anyone who does any research on it will find all of the records, the Hansard, everything. I was consistently saying, as was Minister Clement, the municipality in 10 years will review the ward boundaries, and they will base it on the population growth.
1: But and that was the expectation?
0: That was the expectation, and of course it didn't happen for, I think it was 17 years now.
1: <laughs> yeah, so by 2010, Council probably should have done something about this.
0: Yes, ab- absolutely.
1: Now, uh, let's let's talk about what the criteria was going to be, because you just alluded to the fact that population changes and population pockets needed to be considered. Now that has uh, has changed considerably, and you've heard the debate over the last couple of months now, Brad, that, that some people are saying, well, what about this? What about rural versus urban? What about uh, cultural centers, et cetera? That there's a lot more being thrown into here as as barometers on this. was Was that even considered by the provincial government at the time?
0: At the time, we looked at um, uh, the compromise was to to basically create wards that were semblances, and I use that term deliberately, of the former municipalities. So, to the best of our abilities, um, we wanted to make sure that the former municipalities had sufficient representation in the new city of Hamilton. But there was never, ever, any warranty. Uh, given by the government over myself that those um, ward boundaries would would stay that status quo in perpetuity it's impossible the municipal act doesn't contemplate that um it's just not possible to tell a municipality that here's your ward boundaries and they will never change
1: Yet, you were hearing some of the comments from some of the councillors. I think Councillor Ferguson up in Ancaster had mentioned that he was under the impression that there was some assurance that uh, that those boundaries weren't going to change. I Now, I don't remember that, uh, and I wasn't you know privy to all, all the stuff that was going on, obviously, but I was a member of City Council at that time, and I don't remember those assurances. I do remember the discussion about a, a review after a number of years, and the likelihood of some change was going to happen. As a matter of fact, until the Almost, uh, I guess, when you guys actually passed the legislation, there was still some debate about how many wards there were going to be in the old city because of population shifts.
0: That's correct. Um, And there was push. I mean, at the time, Mayor Morrow uh, and yourself, Bill, you were on council at the time, um, were were making a very valid argument that um, this can't stay like this forever. As the city changes, the ward boundaries would have to change. Uh, and, And the government agreed. The minister agreed. The Ministry of, of of Municipal Affairs agreed, and the Municipal Act contemplates that. So, it's left with the local municipality to review ward boundaries um, and keep them um, consistent with the population growth, so that one area of a municipality doesn't lose the value of their vote over another area of a municipality.
1: Now you've worked on both sides of the fence, Brad. You were obviously an MPP and and representing that area, and then, of course, later on represented essentially the same area as as a member of city council. Uh, As time went on, and and you saw that evolution happen in your political career with with your residents, how important was it for them to say, I want that boundary to stay where it is. Did you get that a lot? I I mean, they're in Stony Creek, and it's going to be Stony Creek, but if the boundary moves a block or two one way or another, does it really matter that much to people?
0: No, it doesn't. Um, That's inside baseball usually for um, the politicians. Uh, Where it does become a concern for the electors is when you have a small, um, perhaps a large geographical area, like Council Pursuiters Ward, um, which is very significant, but a very small population, and he has a vote for fourteen thousand people. And then you look at another area that could be approaching seventy thousand people, and they only have one vote. At that point, when contentious issues are coming before the council, people are looking at that and saying, "Well, geez, <laughs> their vote is heavily weighted versus my vote in my ward." And and
1: that's. I I don't know if we're ever going to find a solution to that. That's still a contentious point 17 years later.
0: It is, um, and and these ward boundary changes that were proposed um, by the consultants uh, tried to come up with a balance that would still enable um, the rural components to have a significant representation on council. And so, uh, you know, I, I was comfortable with what the option was and comfortable with the OMB decision. Because again, you're looking at, I think it's six wards now that have a very clear urban-rural mix. And so as a counselor in that area, um, and, and those six counselors for the last little while actually had that type of urban-rural mix, they did a good job on representing rural issues as well as urban issues.
1: Well, sure. And and, and when you look at the Ancaster writing as a, for instance, and uh, Lloyd's uh, brother, uh, of course, Murray Ferguson was the counselor uh, at the time of amalgamation. uh, That was an area with a large agricultural and rural population. The urban part of that ward has grown considerably in the last 17 years. Uh, And you could argue that, well, what about that balance there? But, I mean, I I think both brothers, both Fergusons have done a a very good job of handling that. You had the same sort of thing. You had a rural component in your riding and in your ward, of course, up on Stony Creek Mountain. A lot of that has, has increased now with the residential growth and commercial growth that's gone on up there. But that evolution is inevitable, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is. I mean, when I was first elected MPP, my um riding had a significant rural component as well as an urban component. As a matter of fact, the Stony Creek riding was held up as a microcosm for the province of Ontario. It had that type of mix. Um, and And as a counsellor, I also had when I was initially elected as councillor, some significant um, agricultural properties that were being cash cropped. and over time, they have been sold off and been developed, um, but as issues come forward, I got to tell you, I mean, I mean, I find it a little bit insulting when people say that uh, the rural area won't have uh, good representation in this new makeup. When we have Councillor uh, Ferguson, Councillor Brenda Johnson, Councillor Maria Pearson, um, Councillor uh, Partridge, they've done a remarkable job of representing the agricultural and rural area. And yet they had significant urban areas in their ward. So it, it's completely specious for anyone to argue that the rural components of Hamilton has lost a voice in this new makeup.
1: Well, and, and I I share your concern about that. And, and, and I'm wondering if people are trying to split hairs here and just figure that, well, we've got to have somebody who is expert in that and that alone. Uh, you, you're going to elect, and I'm hoping that we, the voters in this community, are going to elect 15 people plus a mayor who are well-versed in handling all kinds of issues. I mean, that's their job. Uh, it's one thing to say that you may have expertise in one over another, but you darn well better to learn something about the other areas of that as well because you're going to have to vote on those things.
0: Uh, and it's about representation. So if you are a councillor in a new ward that has um, a good chunk of agricultural property as well as some significant urban settlement areas um, you have to find that balance and when you're have issues that are a concern for your agriculture community they do get informed, informed about it and they do advocate accordingly for those agricultural issues we've seen that happen over the last 15 years um, so I can't in good faith say, oh, we're in trouble here because the agricultural community, rural community has lost their voice. They have not lost their voice. Their voice is still there, and we have very experienced counselors who have proven themselves capable of representing both urban and rural areas.
1: And next year there may well be others who are going to step up and run for those seats that may have those same qualifications. Listen, i got about a minute left here. Uh, But I've got to ask you this. I mean, you've always been somebody who's been very particular about process uh, in government, both provincially and, of course, at the municipal level. Uh, Some councillors are making noises here like they want to appeal this. We're told there's going to be a closed-door meeting about this, and I'm assuming that their rationale for this is going to be, well, to receive legal advice. This is very much a public issue. Should this debate not be happening in open session?
0: Oh, I 100% agree. Uh, This is something that goes to the heart of what a democracy is, um, and the public should hear uh, whatever the legal advice is, and the council has the discretion to waive their, their uh, solicitor-client privilege at any time. And in this case, it should be done. They should hear this, the solicitor's advice in public. They should hear the staff's advice in public, and they should have that discussion in public because it is affecting every single voter in this community.
1: Well, and they've already spent a considerable amount of money on this issue. That's our money. Now, uh, you know, they're not taxing us for it, but it's coming from reserves. Where do the reserves come from? It's still our money. And I'd like to know how much they've spent on this so far before they decide they want to go further.
0: Uh, transparency is key, especially when you're dealing with someone's vote. So, uh, I mean, you, when you break this down right to the simplest area, we're talking about the balance of votes across the entire municipality and if they have that discussion and receive that advice in camera uh then there's going to be a lot of cynicism a lot of speculation and i'm afraid that they would wear that so it's better to be transparent on an issue like this
1: Brad Clark, former city councillor and, of course, former uh, government minister uh, for the Ontario legislature. Brad, thanks again for the time. Great talking with you. And uh, Merry Christmas to you and the family. Thank you. God bless. Take care.
0: The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.